Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. gentlemen boys and girls welcome back to basketball conference the acc football podcast my name's joey weaver he is mike mcdaniel mike first question who's your favorite guest to bring on this podcast uh the next one that's always my answer i am uh very excited joey to bring on dan rubin damn i thought it was cam underwood yeah it was oh no <laughs> dan rubin of pceagles.com eagles unlimited dan your Boston College Eagles are ranked hosting game day and welcoming War Machine Clemson to Chestnut Hill. Does it get any better than that? And one week after we just paraded duck boats down uh, down the street with the, with the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox have made an appearance at every major sporting event in the city of Boston with the trophy. I, might, I don't know if they're going to show up on Saturday, but I sure hope they do. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Dan, welcome back. It's good to have you on. We had you on uh, about a month and a half ago. Uh, obviously, felt like this was the right time to bring you back on here. Huge marquee matchup. Uh, your number 22 Boston College Eagles at home, welcoming in the number two Clemson Tigers. A, uh, they're a 20-point road favorite in this game, by the way. Um, and and so got kind of wanted to kind of profile this game a little bit and talk about uh, kind of what Boston College has been up to the last six weeks or so. I think there was a point where people started to get skeptical of was this going to turn out as the season we thought it was going to for Boston college, but they've since then kind of kicked it back into gear and really been uh, pretty clearly one of the two or three best teams in the ACC. I think we would say uh, before we kind of dive into the game, I, I'm, there's a couple things I'm curious to hear about. First of all, I, if I'm not mistaken, this game is the red bandana game. Is that correct? No, that was that was two weeks ago. So that was the Miami game on Friday night. It was designated the uh, it was a preseason designation for the red bandana game. Um, okay. This one is just off the charts, monumentally important. Um, but no, they played the red bandana game against Miami on uh, on Friday night before Halloween. Okay, yeah, that was going to be one of my questions because my first question is basically, what is the red bandana game? The second question is. Didn't we already do that two weeks ago, and how is this different? But it sounds like we already did that, so I guess that answers the second question. So back to the first one, what is the Red Bandana Game? So the Red Bandana Game is based off of a, a story that was produced uh, originally by Tom Rinaldi, which means that if you go and watch it, make sure that you have a box of tissues readily available because um, Tom Rinaldi is the sweetest, greatest human being on the face of the planet. Um, the, on, on 9-11, when the, uh, when the planes hit the Twin Towers, there was a young man that was working, um, high in one of the towers. I want to see the second one that was hit. Uh, his name was Wells Crowther. Wells was a, uh, commodities trader who always had aspired to be a fireman. And, um, this, as the story would go, Wells, um, made his way down to a lobby that was on fire help save a bunch of people going down the stairs. And then as the people were running down the stairs to get out, uh, Wells turned around and ran back and he went back up and saved about a dozen people. Um, he, the red bandana was something that he had around his, uh, his face uh, to block from the smoke. And he had always kept a red bandana in his pocket, which was a gift from his dad as a, as a, at a young age, he played lacrosse at Boston college uh, before they, they, they dropped the program. And everybody knew Wells Crowther by his, his red bandana. So when the story came out months later from one of the women who was saved um, and the Crowther family had, hadn't heard from Wells, they, they didn't have any news, um, the woman said this gentleman had a red bandana and his mom was like, oh my God, we found him. So the red bandana game is a way for BC to honor him and honor that memory and honor his sacrifice, um, which is pretty much, 
it, they pick one of the biggest games. Now, obviously, it's not around September 11th. Um, they, you know, the, they played it uh, in in October, but they use a game that they know is pre preordained to be on national TV, the Friday night national TV game against a big time opponent like a Miami. They did it against Florida State. They did it against USC when they hosted USC. Um, so it's always has maximum exposure so that they can get Wells's name and the message and the sacrifice out um, as opposed to use. They're not using it. Let's put it. They're using the game to honor Wells as opposed to, you know, doing it around September 11th and, and playing it out against a team like Holy Cross, which while that's a good rivalry between an FCS team, it, it's not the same as playing it, you know, Miami under the lights. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's I, I have friends who work at ESPN and that is probably one of the documentaries that they are most proud of. It's it's like 13 or 14 minutes long. It's narrated by Eddie Burns and it's um it it's it's amazing. It's incredible. It, it's 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 awesome. That is really powerful. That's that's a cool story. I had no idea. Um I heard all the stuff about the red bandana game when they were playing Miami a couple weeks ago and I was like I mean, they got some cool patterns on the numbers and on the helmets and stuff, but, you know, I didn't really know kind of what the origin of that was. That's that's awesome. I appreciate you telling that. Um, Dan, I, I guess the other question I had was talking about kind of college game day. This is coming to Chestnut Hill, right, coming to this Boston College campus for the first time, I think we said since 2009. Yep. I don't know what the chatter around the program, around the fan base has been, but I'm expecting a pretty uh, pretty raucous turnout given how long it's been. Yeah, I mean, I I said it. I'm just pulling up the um, the the schedule from that year. So um, this is probably the biggest game in modern college football BC history since they moved since the ACC uh, switch. And probably at home, I'll say I'll, I'll preface it by saying at home. Um, you know, they there have been some lean years. There have been some disappointing results, and, and and there's no way to run from it. I don't think anybody wants to, um, but to earn game day this late in the season, and you guys both know this with, with Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, you have to be doing something pretty special, and you have to have people believe in you that you are capable of doing something special. So you go back to that game back in, in, in 09 and 05. It was both earlier in the season. They did, they've hosted twice, um, both against Florida State. The first time was the first game in the ACC. It was earlier in the year. Granted, they were ranked. Florida State was a top five team, but you're going back into like a September, October type game. The The last time they hosted back in 09, it was October 3rd of that year against Florida State. And they used it as a jump off point to honor uh, Mark Herzlick. So BC was three and one, uh, finished the year eight and five. They were unranked. Um, Florida State was unranked at that point and were, I think, two and two coming off a loss that, that knocked them out of the ranking. So it was, and I actually just pulled it up, so I'm not going to say I think. I just, I just looked. Um, but it was a, it was a game that was designed around honoring Mark Herzlick, and who had announced, uh, I think, in the spring that he, uh, that he had been diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. Um, what made that game so special wasn't even necessarily the game. BC won at 28-21. It was a very good game, uh, but it was that Herzlick on national television on game day sitting in between Chris Fowler and Lee Corso announced to the world that he was cancer free. Um, I remember I was watching that at home because uh, I didn't go in that day. And it was like everyone in the room just done crying. You were watching the special of him in the documentary. Thanks a lot, Tom Rinaldi. Um, and you were crying and sobbing. And then he announces he's cancer free. He gets on a microphone before the game, introduces the team, crowd goes bananas. And it was off to the races. This game's just different um, from that. And, and I'm not going to try to take away from anything, 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 especially me with the fact that it was October. It was cancer for cancer awareness. He announced he was cancer free earlier that year. My mom had beaten cancer for what I think was the fourth time in her life at that point. There's nothing to take away from that particular game back in 09. But you're hosting in November. If you win, you have the inside track to the ACC championship. There are college football playoff implications. Everybody is going to be watching this game on a Saturday night at 8 p.m. Everybody who once thought Boston College, and they're looking and they're saying, well, we heard they were kind of good, but maybe we'll turn this in and believe, see what they can do when they're playing Clemson, who is just steamrolling teams at this point. 
So everybody seems to think that this is Clemson's real last challenge with Duke and South Carolina. Everyone seems to think this is a game that BC just presents the wrong matchup. Um, so I think it's going to be it, – it, it's, it, it's brought this whole thing into a whole other stratosphere. And I think everyone's going to be surprised at the type of atmosphere that comes out of Boston. I said it today. 11 pro championships in 18 years. And it's going to be a college football town on Saturday. It looks to be a really interesting game, Dan. And and again, we appreciate you kind of coming on and joining us. Um, let's let's talk more specifically about the game itself. Um, and, and Mike, as we look at this, we've we've talked for weeks now about Clemson being in just absolute war machine mode, right? And they're, they're they stop for nobody, and they're just whipping ass and taking names and, and not asking questions. And all that said, Clemson a twenty point favorite in this game. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm a little more hesitant to lay this many points in a game. At the very least, where a I, I know that there is going to be a crazy crowd atmosphere on the road. Blah 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 blah. Not to mention Boston College. Subtly, if Boston College wins this game, they they control their own destiny in the ACC. That would leave uh, them at five and one, Clemson at six and one, and they would have the tiebreaker. They would. Um, Dan, question: What's the status of AJ Dillon? Um, I don't know if you're allowed to comment on that, given your position. Like, do you know, like, at least what are people well, saying well, the status of AJ Dillon is for Saturday? Like, uh, nobody knows. Um, and and I actually know that Steve Adazio addressed it um, in his press conference this week. But he, he said he was asked if he could update. And he said no. And he was, according to Adazio, I'm just going to redirect what he said. He said, I saw him yesterday and was bouncing around. Good smile on his face. Um it's dinged up. He's dinged up. It is what it is. I don't, he said, it's not going to significantly change one way or another. The question becomes how well he can handle it. But I would assume with these kind of injuries, you're not going to feel exactly the way you should feel until you get to a bowl game and have a few weeks. Certainly a fair question. Will, um, if it does feel good enough by game time to play, we'll have to see each day with that. So I think, you know, not reading too much into what Adazio is saying there. I think it's all hands on deck. If he can play, He's going to play and see how well he can manage the pain. But at the same time, it's the second ankle injury of the year. And I'd like to thank uh, the cameraman that he ran into um, that, that caused this one. <laughs> really appreciate that, guys. Um, but he, you know, I think if he plays, it's going to be pain management. Um, if he doesn't, it's because the, the it's, a, you know, it's a significant injury because it's a, it's a tissue ankle or, or whatever it is. Um, so I think we're not going to know until Saturday. And by the same token, I don't know that I'd want to come out on the Monday before the game and tell Clemson, yeah, sure. He's going to play. Right. I hold on to that one as long as I have to. Right. So I'm going to go off the assumption. He's not going to be a hundred percent, which I think is a pretty safe bet. Um, that it comes down to <clears throat> it comes down to this for me. By the way, uh, we didn't address this off the top. I am dying. Like I have some sort <laughs> of like sinus flu thing. So uh, excuse my lack of a voice and the constant need to cough. Um, Mike, you're showing some pretty solid grit right now. I'm I'm really grit. impressed. Hashtag grit. More grit than AJ Dillon. Hard hard nosed. Yeah, hard nosed. Hard nosed. Hard nosed. Jim Rat. She's um, a football guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which just on the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First one in, last one out. Yeah. Eats, sleeps, and breathes football. Um, <laughs> they go on and on. Uh, so I'm going to go off the assumption A.J. Dillon's not 100% healthy. The question to me is, despite the atmosphere, and it's going to be loud in Chestnut Hill, when BC is good and they get a primetime game, it is quite loud there. Um, it's going to be loud, and Clemson's got to be ready to – embrace the atmosphere right and that's something that they do quite well um boston college's rushing attack is going to have to get them by here because while anthony brown is an underrated quarterback in the acc i'm not sure that anybody let alone anthony brown is going to be able to throw the ball 40 times and expect to have success against clemson um especially when you lean on the run so if aj Dillon's not 100 percent while boston college has couple other running backs that are pretty good. A.J. Dillon's the guy, right? And if he's out or at less than 100%, I really question Boston College's ability to move the football 
um, over four quarters enough to win this football game. Can they keep it within three scores? That's the other question. Um, and that's completely dependent on how healthy AJ Dillon is guys. Seriously. Um, look, if he plays, I think he'll get his, I think he's too good. Uh, despite everything we know about Clemson's defensive front. So I'm going to take Clemson to win and cover. I think BC will hang around for a while. And by hang around, I think they'll be within two touchdowns and have it be interesting. They'll be getting stops on defense. I just don't know if they have enough offense in this game to uh, keep up with Clemson, which, by the way, right now, like, this is not an indictment on BC if Clemson wins this game by like four or five touchdowns. This is not, to me, an indictment on what BC is as a program at this present moment. I do think BC is one of the best teams down ACC, but despite that, like BC is a good football team. Uh, Clemson is doing this to whoever they play right now. So uh, I got Clemson to win and cover. I think it'll be of a backdoor variety. I, I think they'll score a late touchdown to get over the 20, uh, but I'm confident enough with their offense right now that I think they can take that uh, take that offense and score literally in whatever situation presents itself. Part of my thought here, Mike, and, and sorry, Dan, I'll start to cut yeah. you off here. I Part of my thought here, and you, and you mentioned A.J. Dillon's health, and, and part of the reason that that is so important to me, at least in terms of talking about the spread, is if Boston College has a healthy A.J. Dillon and is effectively running the ball, if nothing else, they're going to have the ability to limit possessions in the game. And you can kind of limit the separation that Clemson would ever get. Um, and so I think that's something that you have to consider is as well as Boston College has run the ball and, and can chew up the clock and can kind of slow down the game and make you play at their pace. I think that's that's something that you have to consider with a spread that is as big as this one is. Yeah, and, and I mean, that was that was going to be – kind of my point was the ability to control the clock. And I think that is going to be the key for the Eagles in general um, in terms of, of how they go about even on how they go about winning this game. I, I don't think, and I, I said this to a, um, and I'm just pulling up again last year's box score. I, I, I come back to, uh, it, I, I did an interview earlier with a, with a radio show down in Clemson. And I said, there's no way, and, and and I can't think of a single person under any circumstances who would who would agree or who would disagree with me on this. There is no way under any circumstances you can get in a track meet and beat Clemson. You just can't do it. Not they're they're too good, and not only are they too good, but they're they're too fast. They're not they're not going to grind you out if you try to get into a track meet with them and you try to play a chess match pound pound with them. You're you're asking to get throttled. I mean, you're just you're asking for it. So you have to muddy the game down according to the conditions that are there. Last year's game is a great example of that um, because last year BC hung with Clemson. Um, they stayed tied into the fourth quarter, seven-seven. Uh, it was a really slop game for you know, for lack of a better word, uh, because BC decided they were going to run the clock, own the clock, control the clock, and and limit Clemson. So in the first quarter, completely scoreless, BC owns the clock for eight minutes. Clemson only held it for six. BC held it for 737 in the third quarter. The two quarters that came back to haunt BC, where they were outscored 34 to nothing, were the second quarter and the fourth, when Clemson held the ball for 10 and a half minutes in each frame. At the same time, Clemson only scored 27 points in the fourth quarter. And I say only scored because they scored three touchdowns in the last five minutes. At a point when BC's defense absorbed an injury to the linebacking coach, I think it was to Max Richardson. So they had to put in an, an untested rookie, John Lamont, who, who was a freshman or playing his first snaps, and he just they, they couldn't compete at that point. So they wound up giving the ball back too quickly. And next thing you know, Clemson owns the clock, runs it up, and, and you lose by 30, you lose by 27 points. Um, so I think the key on Saturday is going to be the same, which is if you keep Travis Lawrence off the field and you keep Travis Etienne off the field, you, they can't score. Whether or not that depends on Dylan, you can mix in some other things in there. Um, you know, they did it to, they did, they have done it. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, I go back to when they, they, when Dylan was out, you, you've got different change of pace backs and different ways to execute which is a lot harder to do against Clemson's defense, especially with their defensive line, like Christian Wilkins 
is on one side and on the other side, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's, he's, he's a monster. You're, you're looking at, if you need to run between the tackles, you need to play smarter and you need to control the clock, drag it into the fourth quarter. And if you can do that, you're just going to convert your opportunities. Everybody makes a mistake in a football game. Nobody, even in a 77 point game, somebody's going to make a mistake offensively. Well, you have to wait for that one mistake and capitalize on it. You have to execute a perfect game plan and you have to execute it perfectly. Completely agree. Dan, the, the thing that you mentioned about Boston College needing to avoid getting into a track meet, it brings to mind the quote from Coach Carter about how we make other teams play our game and you're going out there playing theirs. You know, Boston College cannot cannot go out there and try to win a game by scoring 30 or more points against Clemson. They're just not – that's not going to happen, right? They're not built for that. They're, they're strategically not going to do that. They can score points against teams, sure, but against this Clemson team and kind of how they match up, they cannot plan on trying to win a game like 45-42, right? That's just not – that's not a feasible outcome for, for the Eagles in my mind. Um, if it is, if that does happen, I go back to the USC game, which I think was 34-31 with Tyler Murphy, and they ran for 500-something yards. The If you do, if you, if you are capable of doing that, then something went horribly wrong for Clemson. And and yeah. you you found that you found the kryptonite. Um, I don't think, strictly on paper, you can objectively look at a game plan and say, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, BC's still going to run tempo. Um, they're still going to run an up tempo style, but remember the tempo means one, two, three, four. It doesn't mean da, 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 it doesn't mean one go. You're not. It's not like in basketball when you're shooting in six seconds. You can run up tempo and work the clock and get into your rhythm and prevent substitutions. So I think you can do that and get set and get ready and run a couple of quick snaps or a couple of quick plays, but you cannot go warp speed against this team because you're in danger of giving them the ball back too quickly and. And that is, if you do that, you're at you're you're asking for problems. Absolutely, uh, Dan. You're not really allowed to give a pick on this game, as as it would happen. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give mine. I'm with Mike. I'm gonna I'm just going to lay the Clemson, lay the twenty with Clemson. Um, we we've kind of talked again about Clemson minus anything. I this is the one that I I would he- really hesitate to put my own money on. You could again, you could give me double the number with most other teams in the ACC and I would probably lay it at this point, but in this game with this number in this setting, I, I don't feel comfortable putting my own money on it, but for the sake of, uh, you know, picks on this podcast, give me Clemson minus 20. Uh, and I, I think they win fairly comfortably, maybe a 38 to 14 kind of thing sounds kind of right, but um, you know, that would kind of get them to the cover, but it would also be a lower scoring version of that game. And, and I could see this going under the total of 58 here, Mike. Uh, I could see the under. I got Clemson uh, minus twenty as well. Um, yeah, I'll I'll end there before I start coughing. <laughs> well, Dan, appreciate you coming on. Uh, would love to have you as always. Kind of stick around here and uh, preview the rest of these games if you're interested. And you got the time. Hey, if if it's a chance for me to talk football, I'm probably going to do it. So um, let's be honest there. They're going to have to. My wife's going to have to drag me out the door to have that not happen. Good. She's got me on vacation for a week, so she doesn't have to work. So Good. she'll let me. Good. Well, at the, it, plus it, the team, the team needs him tonight, Joey. Well, and at the very least, we would get him on camera doing that. So that would be a that would be an extra bonus here if you're watching the YouTube version of this. Uh, let's move on, gentlemen, to actually move back to Thursday night, seven thirty p.m. on ESPN. The Wake Forest Steam and Deacons without Sam Hartman on the road in Raleigh against the number twenty-one NC State Wolfpack. Uh, Wolfpack a 17 point favorite here at home. They, they got back on track last week against Florida state. Once again, Wake Forest lost their quarterback for the year, uh, home game Thursday night. I, I just, I'm not sure how Wake is going to be scoring points or stopping points at this point. I think I am just straight up on NC state minus the 17. I'm on NC State. They have a new quarterback, and we don't know who that's going to be yet. And they being Wake Forest. They being Wake Forest. Um, and NC State has, uh, you know, Ryan Finley. That should be enough. Uh, plus, they're really? at home. I uh, just don't see the path for Wake here. I got, I got NC State winning and probably covering that 17. Even though it's a pretty big number for a weeknight, I do like NC State's chances there. Every, every time, thoughts on the, uh, yeah, thoughts on the Atlantic. Every, division, right? every time, every time uh, Ryan Finley grabs the football, I um, 
I I ask that the Patriots somehow can find a way to draft him and make him the heir to Brady. I just that, that's all I want. That's I will, all I want. I will turn this car around and we will go home, Dan. We are not talking <laughs> about the damn Patriots right now. We're not doing it. I, he's fantastic. I love Ryan. Ryan Finley might be my favorite ACC quarterback. No offense to Anthony Brown. He's just he's so good. He's really good. No offense to the quarterback of my employer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you asked Anthony Brown, he'd probably say, yeah, Ryan Finley's a really good guy. Probably the best quarterback in the ACC. I don't think anybody's afraid to admit that. Yeah, Ryan yeah. Finley, he's real good. Real good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, NC State minus 17 is the pick there. Uh, we'll keep that one quick and short. Friday night, this one might also be kind of quick and short. 7 o'clock, ESPN2, the deuce. We got the Louisville Cardinals on the road at the number 19 Syracuse Orange in the Carrier Dome. Uh, Orange, a 21-point favorite. Total here is a nice 69 points. Nice. Uh, um, this is a lot of points, and yet I don't really know how – I mean – this is one of those, honestly, where Louisville's best strategy might be to try to make us attract me just so they can cover. They're not going to win this game, but you could find a way to backdoor your way into like a 17-point margin to, to cover somehow. Louisville's like 1-8 against the spread, so we're probably trying too hard at this point. They're 1-8 against the spread. They have Jawan can't pass and a really bad defense. So Syracuse minus anything. Don't care that it's uh, – a look-ahead game with Notre Dame and Yankee Stadium a week from Saturday. Literally don't care. Uh, Louisville's atrocious. They never cover. And, um, yeah, I trust Syracuse, which is a scary thing for me to mutter. But I do. I have this I have this image in my head of uh, BC and Syracuse both winning out and then meeting in the last week of the season with somehow managing to put the Atlantic division title on the line. And somehow I run into diamond ferry somewhere along the streets of Everett mass. And I immediately go to the Tobin bridge and threaten to jump. Um, But I think I I love Syracuse. Um, And and I'm not just saying that because Louisville's having a a, a tough year, Um, but they, if you get into, you said get into a track meet. And I think that's probably the worst thing you can do with Dino Babers offense. I mean, is it the worst thing you can do with their Brian Van Gorder defense? I mean, probably not great. Um, <laughs> you know, I, saw an article, I saw an article today, by the way, about him. You know, we talk about Bobby Petrino's buyout being pretty big. Brian Van Gorder's buyout isn't cheap either. And, you know, at some point, too, I look at I, – I remember I was looking at the Louisville team a couple of weeks ago, and you, and you kind of hang your hat on the fact that they're all young. I mean – these are, these are young guys, and I know everyone expects more out of Louisville, and, and especially with their talent level and their recruiting rankings and the fact that they've really been good for a while now. But some of these guys are really young. I mean, when you're playing a lot of those those freshmen and sophomores, you're, you're going to take it on the chin, and, and it goes on both sides of the ball. So, you know, I, I would hesitate to say that this is going to be the norm for them, but, I mean – We've all been there. Three and nine 2015 season is now yielding game day against Clemson. And I know that, you know, everyone's been down that road. I know Georgia Tech went down that road um, and then managed to build back. So I don't I don't write off Louisville, the coaches, the, the roster. Uh, they're, they're just in the midst of a, of a growing year. And, and there's something about them that's going to scare me for for a while. That makes uh, that makes one of us because I. Uh... <laughs> Point taken with the players, but Bobby Petrino and Van Gorder, I feel like they owe the university money, right? Like they need to start a GoFundMe and start giving the university money back. That defense I just watched now, granted it was against Clemson, but that defense I just watched last Saturday was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Granted, it was against War Machine Clemson, so you give them like a 30 point pass. But other than that, even so, you would still lose that game. Uh, by 30 points, 37 uh, points, actually. Math is hard. Um, so even with a 40-point buffer, you still lose that game by five touchdowns. Uh, anytime you give up 11 touchdowns, I am blaming the coaches. I, it's it's becoming so apparent. Like, that was a game last week, by the way, that, like, everybody's starting to see it for themselves that Louisville's defense is quitting. Like, 
at that point, there's no real coming back from that. Yeah, uh, Syracuse minus 21. I think that's the pick. Just lay the points in the Carrier Dome and, and don't think twice about it. Uh, let's move on to Saturday, guys. We already talked about the 8 o'clock game on ABC. And one of the things I, one of the things I thought was kind of weird is you look at the slate and there are six ACC games on Saturday, only one of them in the noon slot. That's kind of interesting. We'll get to that one here in a minute. That's going to be North Carolina at Duke. But for now, 3.30 p.m. on ESPNU, Mike, your Virginia Tech Hokies on the road at Heinz Field taking on the Pitt Panthers. The Panthers a three-point home favorite, basically saying these two teams are equal, if not for home field advantage. Um, Mike, we talked about, uh, you know, in the preseason, basically, that Virginia Tech, what, have they ever won at Heinz Field? It's pretty much a total house of horrors for the Hokies. Once, and that was two years ago. Yeah, once, and that was two years ago on Thursday Night Football. Um, I got Pitt here. You guys, the three? Yeah, you guys know how I feel about Virginia Tech right now. I got Pitt. Yeah, it's not great. Um, Out of curiosity, is Hinesfield still grass? It's not, it's not turf, right? <clears throat> not turf, still grass. It could be cardboard, and I think Virginia Tech still loses this game. So that's where I'm at. I mean, I was going to say it kind of depends on how you define grass because I've seen the videos of, like, the punt sticking in the ground yeah. and stuff. I mean, I feel like maybe I have a much worse image in my mind of Heinz Field's grass quality than uh, than is actually the case, but I cannot get over that at all. Well, the only reason why I ask is because I remember there was a time a long time ago, it might have been 2006, um, Gillette Stadium was grass and it was spray-painted dirt, and the NFL pretty much made the Patriots install uh, AstroTurf or replace the field over like in the bye week. So I'm uh, if but I then I remember looking at Pittsburgh and seeing spray painted dirt. So that's why I asked because that it's getting cold up here. So if that if that's going to be a weather thing and then that field is going to be uh, you're asking for it. That field's going to be tough. I believe the Texans replaced their grass with turf mid season a few years ago because their grass was of such questionable quality. And they're, they're in a dome, but it was like the grass that could retract out of the stadium and, and grow outside and that whole thing. Yeah. The grass was of such questionable quality that all these players kept getting like knee and ankle injuries from feet and stuff getting caught in the grass, just trying to run around and stuff. I mean, it was legitimately dangerous, and they had to replace it. So, uh, go easy to that. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Virginia Tech plus the three here, Mike. I'm gonna take them outright because this is one of those games in my mind where, as much as we think we can make any damn sense of the Coastal Division, we can't. Um, and this is one of those games to me that just sticks out like. You know, by all means, Pitt at four and one in conference somehow should probably win this game, but they won't. But they won't. Appreciate the vote of confidence, bye. I got. Hey, I, I basically just don't have confidence in the Coastal Division to behave at this point. Um, it's it's not really working. So give me Virginia Tech plus the three. I don't have a lot of analysis on why. Um, I think Virginia Tech's do a little bit, and uh, that's the best I got. Hokies plus the three. Uh, let's move on. Seven o'clock ESPN two Miami on the road in Atlanta, taking on my Georgia tech yellow jackets, the jackets three and a half point home favorite in a game that S and P plus favors Miami by like 10 points or something like that. So that's going great. Uh, but Miami is on a three game losing streak and they've looked like trash. Basically they've scored 39 points over three, three games. Uh, that's not really encouraging quarterback situations, a thing. And, all this, all sorts of questions right now about Mark Ricks and his longevity. Georgia Tech, by the way, has won like four of their last five games. So at this point, I'm taking Miami because, again, nothing makes sense, and I'm not allowed to have nice things. And uh, I'm just going to take the Canes plus three and a half in hell. Just take them outright because, again, nothing makes sense this year. And if nothing else, I am emotionally hedging because if Georgia Tech wins this game, I'm at least going to get a push on my season win total bet. So that's good enough for me. Uh, I think that this game is the race to 20 points, and I think Georgia Tech gets there first. I got Georgia Tech beating Miami here. To be fair, I mean, Georgia Tech had this game won last year in Miami before they got some stupid fluke bounces and such. Um, so that's that's on the table. I mean, it, it can happen. And Get back it, game, baby. Get back game. I hope. Dan, are you, uh, are you trusting my Yellow Jackets or Cam's Hurricanes in this game? 
I'm all over the I'm all over the yellow jackets because I'm all in on triple option. I love the fact, by the way, that they attempted approximately one pass against Virginia Tech and it was incomplete. Um, oh, oh yeah, I love rolled up like four hundred sixty-five rushing yards. Yeah, it was okay. It went okay. Oh. Jeff, Jeff Munkin, Jeff Munkin at Army once said, "How uh, how many passes did we attempt in this game?" And someone looked at him and said, "None. Can we throw less? Uh, I want to throw less than that." Um, I love you know me at you all. Know, I love triple option. Uh, but here's my so here's my thing about Miami. Uh, right, I. And, and I've said this, I, I've said this before. I don't love, and I've never loved this. When you, when you pull a quarterback and you put in, and I, I know I've said this about a bunch of teams and a bunch of players, when you pull a quarterback, I think I said this most recently about Buffalo, the, the bills, you can't go back. You have to, you have to eat that. You, you stick with when it. You, you have to stick with it. You can't do anything else other than that. Cause the minute you, you pull the other quarterback, for the for the second one for your other for your for your first quarterback again you've now thrown the, the the offensive game plan can't develop and move forward your unit has to move forward through fluid continuity um and what you can't you can't have that when you pull a quarterback and then pull now if a guy gets hurt guy gets hurt it kind of makes your decision easier right um but i don't I, i've never liked that move uh, it's hard for me to criticize mark rick because i've always liked him as a coach um, but Nikozi Perry played against Virginia, got pulled pretty quick hook from Malik Rozier. Rozier played against Boston College. I don't know who played against Duke, but you've said you, you're you're running into problems uh, in, with three games left that you've got to make a decision and commit to it. I, I, that was the thing I was going to bring up. You're talking about you can't go back, and I totally agree with that, with the exception of the injury thing that you brought up. Is if there is an injury, you can go back, but. Miami has been so aggressively just flip-flopping on these guys. And I've started hearing the name Jaron Williams, the blue chip fresh, true freshman quarterback out of Central Gwinnett here in Atlanta. Like, dude, if you're going to your next quarterback, that had damn well better work because there is certainly no going back to the first or the second string guy if you're bringing in the freshman third stringer. And we had we had experience up there at BC during that 2015 season. You had you lost your starting quarterback against Florida State when Darius Wade got hurt. And they started rotating because nobody outright won the job. Um, Troy Flutie and Jeff Smith, neither one of them outright won the job. I think Smith got hurt. And I think Flutie got hurt. You wound up on your, your true freshman walk-on uh, quarterback who, is, who, who actually wound up not looking half bad, uh, John Fadul. Um, and then down the stretch. But when you were going back and forth, neither guy put, won the job because they were both in the same boat and you couldn't make a decision. And I just remember saying neither one of them is is, is allowing Steven Dazio to make a decision on, on who should be playing a quarterback, which led to the next year getting a fifth year transfer. So if you're Miami and you've pulled the coat and you and you've gone from the senior to the freshman, you 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 really I mean you can go back, you are going back, but it makes it a lot harder to put in a guy, pull him, put in a guy, pull him. It just doesn't hurt, it just doesn't help. Moral of the story, I have faith in Mike's team and not my own team. Mike has faith in my team and not his own team. And just damn it, Miami, figure out your damn quarterback situation. Get it right. Seems like a good summary. Shouldn't be hard. Okay, moving on. 7.30 p.m. on NBC. The Florida State Seminoles, a 17.5-point road dog in South Bend against the number four Notre Dame Fighting Irish. This is the game that I really don't want to pick. Like 17 and a half points on the road, Florida State, what are they? Notre Dame, what are they? I I do not know what to expect in this game whatsoever. Mike, you're the Notre Dame fan. Please help make some sense of this for me. Uh, Notre Dame's a playoff team. They have one of the best defenses in college football. Florida State has trouble moving the ball. They're in South Bend. They're going to die. Notre Dame by 20 to 24 points. That was concise. I like it. Let's look at, uh, is DeAndre Francois going to play in this game? Um, he maintains that he's still the starter for the Seminoles. That is, that's a strange thing to say. Um, that's cute. That's cute. <laughs> uh, yeah, he didn't play at all last week against NC State, and that's a whole thing. Um, yeah, uh, he's, I mean, should be playing in this game, I suppose. I, uh, you know, Notre Dame, Notre Dame has been a little bit quieter lately, I guess. They kind of squeaked out a 10-point win over uh, Northwestern last week and um, ho-hum win over 
Navy the week before. I guess what the hell? Let's just take Notre Dame at home, coming home after a few weeks on the road. Um, Florida State probably starting to pack it in at this point. I don't think they've got what it takes to go on the road and pull an upset. So 17 and a half sounds like a lot, but uh, Dan, I think I'm just going to go ahead and lay those points with the Irish. Uh, if I ever say that Notre Dame's going to lose a game, I got a buddy of mine who is a, um, actually one of my old broadcast partners at a, uh, in college hockey. He um, He's doing a year of grad school at Notre Dame. Um, he texts me weekly from – he was just out at Northwestern. If I pick ever pick against Notre Dame under any circumstances, um, I have a feeling that he's going to drive from South Bend to Boston, slap me upside the head, get back in the car, and drive back to South Bend. So Irish will win. There you go. That's important. That's important. <sighs> All right. Uh, Scientific. Only... <laughs> only noon slot game of the day. Um, I don't know if I said that right, but oh well. The North Carolina Tar Heels on the road in Durham taking on the Duke Blue Devils. A 10.5 point favorite is Duke at, again, 12.20 p.m. on the ACC Network Extra. Mike, 10.5, that is way too many points for Duke to be laying at this point. Give me the Tar Heels plus the 10.5. They're, they're due. This is a rivalry game, so throw the records out. And I just I don't see Duke running away and hiding with this game just yet. I mean, they, they have not really been all that inspiring lately. I also like North Carolina to win because they're due and because Duke is still getting a lot of love, and I really don't understand it. Give me North Carolina 10.5. Holy cow, that's a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is borderline up there with a the best bet. Um, 58 also sounds like a lot of points in any game involving Duke right now, so you might consider the under here. Um, I don't know if I'm going to take North Carolina straight up. They seem pretty snake bit and pretty unable to like actually – end up with a game where they have more points than their opponent. But um, can they make it close, make it competitive? I think they can. So, yeah, Tar Heels plus the 10.5. Daniel, are you you riding with Daniel Jones or with whatever Larry Fedora is going to throw out there on offense and defense for the Tar Heels? Um, I, I don't know. I don't – I'm going to hate myself for saying this. Um, (laughs) I've been saying North Carolina for a while that they were. What does it go back? What was the year that they scored that they averaged like forty four points a game, but gave up like forty seven points a game? And I have been just waiting for their breakout all like since, and I've been waiting for for them to say this. This is it. This is this is North Carolina. This is where they start the road back. So naturally, I'm going to say I think Duke's probably going to win this game. Um, because in true fashion, that means North Carolina is probably going to win by about 65 points. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like Villanova basketball and every year in March madness, I pick Villanova to go deep and every year they're out by the sweet 16, except for the one year when I say, I'm not letting them do it to me again, I pick them out in the second round and they win the national title. So I'm going to say North Carolina, this is, this is the game they're going to say, they're going to show me that they are on the way back. I like it. Last one, guys. 3 o'clock p.m. on the ACC Network Extra, our hashtag 25 Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, welcome in the Liberty – what are they, the Flames? Yeah, the Flames. Flames. They're coming in. Now, here's the thing. Virginia laying 23.5 points at home. Um, Virginia have been pretty good this year in a lot of cases. Liberty, let me let me give you kind of the story of Liberty's season so far. They drubbed a bad old Dominion team. They got drubbed by a decidedly like average Army team. Got drubbed by North Texas. Beat New Mexico by nine. And in their last four games, they have played one score games against New Mexico State, loss. Troy, win somehow. Idaho State, and a loss to UMass last week. They lost in overtime 62-59 to UMass. Now, uh, is this a team that we expect to keep a a game with Virginia within 23 and a half points? My answer is no, it is not. Not at all. Uh, Virginia, what they are or aren't, don't don't really worry about that for now. They're going to beat Liberty by at least 23 and a half points. So, yeah, let's just lay the points there and and not worry about it anymore. Also laying the points, um, yeah. Uh, Virginia, that was ugly against Pittsburgh. Uh, come on, what are you doing? Uh, but with that being said, like 
Liberty's pretty bad. Like they have some decent qualities, I guess. They have a couple good players. Uh, overall, they're pretty bad. I like Virginia to win this game, and I'll lay the points there as well. I had a um, I had a, a remark back when when BC played UMass earlier in the year, and, and they played Holy Cross, which is uh, that if you want to be a nine win team, I think I might have said it to you guys. If you want to be a nine win team, you don't lose games against uh, FBS teams that are that are in the that are in either Conference USA or those games. You just you can't you can't do it and be expected to win eight or nine games and contend for a division championship. So it's totally reasonable statement to say that Virginia needs to handle Liberty, get through the game, and just move on. Uh, though that game last last week, I know that the uh, it went triple overtime. That was actually a really fun game to watch. And if Liberty is investing the way that I think they are in their football program, and I know it's a it's a it's a very heavily religious ecumenical school. So if they're taking the time to to invest in their athletics the way Brigham Young did, um, then they're going to be able to put something together. And I think they're going to be a program to be reckoned with at some point. Um, but not now. And if you're Virginia and you're in the hunt for a coastal division championship, you can't, you can't go out and lose this game. Yeah, definitely not. Just, just lay the 23 and a half. Let's get the hell out of here. I got nothing else. Um, okay. Uh, that wraps up all the ACC action we've got this week. Now, Mike, here's the thing that we kind of just totally forgot to hit on throughout the week, uh, throughout the preview here. We got picks of the week. We got to hit on and, um, you are a lot more confident in the one that you're going to go for here uh, than I am. I'll let you kind of hit on your pick of the week first if you want to here. Yeah, my pick of the week here, and I didn't call it out as is uh, tradition. I got Syracuse covering three touchdowns against Louisville. Louisville stinks. Louisville does stink. They're not good. Um, that's a good pick of the week. Um, I am... I'm kind of torn, and I, I mentioned a couple of options to you before the podcast, but I think there's another one that I'm actually more intrigued by at this point. I'm trying to decide. I, I need your help, both of you guys. Do you prefer Louisville and Syracuse to go over a nice 69 points, or do you prefer NC State laying 17 points at home against Wake Forest on Thursday night? Uh, discuss. NC State. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Dan? I have no idea. <laughs> Such an opinionated guest you are, Dan. I, um, hot, okay. takes, hot takes everywhere. Uh, yeah, what the hell? NC State minus 17. I'm going to regret that. But yeah, picks of the week. Mike laying 21 points with Syracuse. I am laying 17 with NC State. Um, that's all we got. Uh, Dan, this has been fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you on the program. This is, uh, I think you're on the leaderboard, uh, you're top of the leaderboard right now in basketball conference guest appearances. So thank you once again for joining. Um, good luck to your Eagles on Saturday as they host the War Machine Clemson Tigers. Enjoy college game day to your fan base. And would you like to tell the folks out there on the internet where they can find your work? Yeah. Um, Head over uh, on Twitter at BC Dan Rubin at Dan Rubin 12. Uh, my two accounts, um, BC Dan Rubin predominantly for the, for the BC stuff. Uh, also bceagles.com, anything that's under uh, Eagles Unlimited, which is under the team section. Uh, it is the, it's a section that I do feature writing for the athletic department direct um, work with a ton of great staff over there. The, uh, and the teams are, are fantastic. Just uh Got through the beginning of basketball season or the beginning of some of the uh, some of the basketball coverage, and of course, football has been uh, has been cruising right along. So there's a uh, like I always say, and I know I say it every single time I'm on here. There's 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 fantastic stories. There's great athletes. There's great student athletes. There's great people uh, that are just waiting to have some of their stories told. Um, and luckily, I've been able to work with them and get some of those get some of those stories out there. So it has been a uh, a journey and a pleasure. And um, but all of that, I think, is going to be uh, is going to be riding with us in lightning fashion uh, going into Saturday. The week is flying by, but it feels like it's dragging. It's incredible. I, it's the the energy's there, but I just want to make it to Saturday. I just want to make it to Saturday and see what happens. Well, once again, if you guys are not following him and you're looking for uh, great Boston College coverage, you are really missing out. That's bceagles.com, uh, Eagles Unlimited. 
Mr. Dan Rubin, always a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for joining. Please come back sometime soon. Uh, you are always, always welcome on the Basketball Conference Podcast. Pleasure. All right, Mike, uh, we got to wrap this up. We got to get out of here. Uh, we got to go check out actually how these games turn out. Uh, in the meantime, we're, so we're going to come back and recap these games this weekend, by the way. But in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, he is Mr. Dan Rubin. You can follow him at Dan Rubin 12 on Twitter. Uh, would highly recommend that for any Boston College coverage you're looking for or just, you know, takes or that kind of thing, whatever he does. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Uh, and they can f- send us an email with questions, comments, concerns, the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yes, sir. Uh, Mike, you want to hit them with the, where they can find us on the social medias? Yeah, Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference, rate, review, find all of our podcasts there. And Joey, if I may, I have some breaking news. Uh oh, hit me. The new college football playoff rankings are out. Woo! Boston College, number 17. Mm-hmm. NC State, number 14. Oh my gosh. And as predicted on our recap show, Joey, the Syracuse Orange are number 13 in the newest playoff bowl. Hold on, hold on. What? They are now ranked higher. <laughs> Than the basketball team. <laughs> and number two is Clemson, by the way. Number two is Clemson. Syracuse Cl- is four and eight in the last two years, and they're number 13 in the rankings. Yep. What Welcome to 2018. Uh, top four, Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, and a little bit surprisingly, LSU only fell to seven. So they're still in the mix. Keep an eye on that. They're barely in the mix, but they still have a pulse. What a year. What a year. That's all I got. That's it. That's all I know. <sighs> okay. Well, we probably need to talk about that on Sunday when we come back. But uh, again, Mike, you got to get healthy. You are, uh, you're playing hurt right here. And uh, you, you have gutted this one out. And I'm really proud of you. Yeah. Th- thanks. I was not as talkative as usual. Really appreciate you guys uh, picking up the slack. Well, I appreciate Dan picking up our slack because, hey, <laughs> yeah. Mike, Mike's, a, Mike's a warrior. Mike's a warrior. <laughs> in a in a ma- in a matter of speaking, yes. I think you mean a matter of speaking, but a you know, matter you know, of speaking. I'm not doing the damn Boston thing right now. We're not doing it. Um, hey, right. you got to drop the G off that too. It's matter of speaking. Speaking, yeah. There speaking. you go. We're, we're talking about it. Actually, that was more New York than mine. Gosh. All right. Uh, we we got to get out of here. We're gonna go watch these games. Uh, Mike, you want to come back and recap these games on Sunday? I do. Hopefully, I'm a little healthier. Yeah, hopefully. Hey, uh, Dan, thanks again for coming on, and we'd love to have you back again sometime soon. Love you guys. Yeah. We'll come back on Sunday and recap these games. And until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. Daniel Rubin, uh, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.